But that's where you come into the picture and say, we, my child, my precious child, and you say that to every single one of us, every single one that you have called and named and sealed with your blood, you have looked at us and said, my child, I love you. My spirit is strong. My spirit is stronger than anything you can imagine. It is stronger than every sin, every deficiency, every horrible thought, every horrible action, every poor choice, every good choice. Jesus, we know that we are nothing without you, that we are nothing without your redemption, that we are nothing without the cross and the empty tomb. sang this morning, Lord, to give us faith to trust what you say. Give us faith this morning, Lord, to have open ears and an open heart to hear the word that you've delivered to Pastor Joe today. May it cut us quickly in our spirits. May it convict us. May it cause us to leave these doors and to go out into the world that needs to see a strong spirit. Good to see you guys here today and those who are joining us live stream as we continue to sort of navigate our way through this new abnormal. Um, you know, we're continuing with our, I'm Joe Davis, I'm the pastor here, we're continuing with our series on the Gospel of Mark. And you know, it's interesting, uh, each week, and I haven't had to try to force this at all, each week the passage has been very relevant to things we're going through, not just as a country, but as a world. And, and it dawned on me, and the reason is because it's the same depravity that we struggled with 2,000 years ago that we struggle with today. We just have more internet to broadcast it, I think. But um, this week, I've entitled the sermon, it's week number 34, I've called it Bad Bread. So, <clears throat> let's just get right into it. You know, we're in a deeply divided world today, politically, culturally, spiritually, and everyone has claimed a stake to a particular side of each weighty issue that we're facing. Where are you on racism or riots, cops, the rapture, gay marriage, capitalism, socialism, taxes, Medicare for all? You have to pick a side. How can you defend this politician's character? Or how can you stand up for that politician with their view on abortion? And, and all these issues, they continue to show up. Issues that never leave, frankly. We've been arguing about some of them for thousands of years. But what does happen is everyone's emotions on both sides of all these issues come to a fever pitch. As people run and trample over each other, trying to identify with one side or the other on a particular issue. In the meantime, the poison part of both of these sides is infecting the church. It's destroying relationships, and it's rendering many ministries powerless, feckless, and trivial. And it's interesting because that is exactly what Jesus warned against 
in Mark chapter 8, 14 to 21. <clears throat> Remember what had just happened? The, the, the last week we talked about the fact that he got off the boat on the dock. He was accosted by liberals and conservatives, Pharisees, the conservatives, and Sadducees, the liberal. And they all hated each other, but they joined forces on this day because they wanted Jesus to prove he's God. We hate each other, but we hate each other less than we hate you combined. So we want you to prove who you are. And he said, I'm not going to give you any more proof. I'm not giving you a sign. And the scripture says he just got right back in the boat and left. And apparently it happened very fast because we see in verse 14, now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And Jesus cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. I put that in bold because I want you to understand what Jesus does. He doesn't say Pharisees and Sadducees this time. He says Pharisees and Herod. And here's the reason. He's putting this in a definitively decisive political arena. Because Herod was the Jewish ruler associated with the Roman Empire. He would be a Sadducee. Herod was a Sadducee. And so Jesus is making it very clear. He's not just talking about Jewish groups. He's talking about Jewish groups and the political nature of the day. And they began discussing that after he says, beware of the leaven of Pharisees and, and Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, he was aware of all of it, not just the fact that they were talking. Of course, he knew they were talking about bread. He's in a boat. It's a small boat. He knew that. When it says aware of this, he's aware of all of it. The fact that they didn't have bread, all of it. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? They said 12. That was when he fed all the Jewish people, remember? <clears throat> and, seven thou and, and, and the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said seven. That's when he fed the, the Gentile. Remember, I talked about the Gentile picnic. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Now, later on in Mark or Matthew, it says they did finally understand. But Mark leaves that part off for a specific reason. He's teaching a lesson about culture and politics of the day, and Jesus' warning of them. Let's talk about the history of the passage. What about man? What does he do, and why and how does he do it? I want to talk about this unplanned boat ride. Now, of course, Jesus had it planned, but the disciples assumed they had arrived back at Galilee to be there for a while. And it's important for you to understand, every day during this ancient world was a struggle for most just to find your next meal. It's the first thought each morning when you wake up. Oh, my goodness, how do I get breakfast? And then after that, lunch and dinner. Like, the whole time, they're thinking, how do I feed myself and my family? Each day, it was, in fact, the number one priority for 80% of the population. There were some wealthy elites, mostly the Pharisees and the liberal Sadducees, the conservative Pharisees, the liberal Sadducees. They didn't really worry too much about where their next meal was coming from, but everyone else had to. And the problem is the options are limited. There's no drive throughs no Grubhub, no restaurants, no refrigerators, no Publix. It's all a daily task to figure out where you're going to get your fish and your bread. And what about tomorrow, spaghetti? No, there is no spaghetti. It's just fish and bread. There's no Taco Tuesday. It's just Fish Tuesday and Fish Wednesday and Fish Thursday. It is why 
When we see the Lord's Prayer, one of the things Jesus taught in that praise is, give us this day our daily bread. That's not just a throwaway line. Back then, it really meant something. It's a very emotional, faith-filled, heart-filled request. Please, God, just give us our daily bread. See, most of us, when we read the Lord's Prayer, we can't really relate to that type of prayer being relevant. Give us a day our daily bread. Thank you, God, for this food. Do you know why people used to thank God for their food every time they ate? Because it was a miracle that it was provided for them. God, I cannot believe you have shown your provision again by giving me this food. I mean, we pray now, but we're not really thankful. It's almost like obligatory. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Amen. Pray we don't get food poisoning. Amen. But we can't really relate to what this prayer meant for the ancient people at all. We just can't. And to make, on, to make this matters worse, we see this, our daily bread concept. It's really a hard thing to find meals back then. The second thing, there is no time for them to pack. After an exasperating experience with the Pharisees of the right and the Sadducees of the left, Jesus is gone. He's done with them. He leaves the spiritual and political elite on the dock so fast the disciples do not have time to pack bread or provisions. Let's go, guys, right now. Everybody, back in the boat. We're gone. And with this fresh in their minds, Jesus sees an opportunity to teach them a very critical lesson about bad political and cultural influences. And huge things are happening all around them. You have to understand this, right? There's been the rejection of the religious leaders. He's stoking political and cultural fires. He's just opened the gates to the Gentiles to be part of God's plan of salvation. He's given them a warning about his impending death right after he'd fed the 5,000, the Jews. It's a lot to take in, don't you agree? It's much like today, frankly, right? There's a brand new sensational bombshell headline every five minutes. It's hard to focus. It's hard to keep them from being distracted. And Jesus knows that they are processing a ton of information. So he knows this is a critical lesson that he must get through to them. So he gets them all, all 12 disciples, in a boat, in the middle of the lake, isolated, with no bread. It's just him and his disciples and their hunger. And at that point, Jesus says, this is a great opportunity They're away from all the noise of Galilee social media. They're away from MSNBC, Fox News, CNN. They're away from the White House. They're away from Congress. They're away from all that. They're in the boat with me. That's all there is. Me, the boat, the disciples, and water. And then he warns them about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Remember, Herod is a Sadducee. This is a cultural and political warning. And as soon as he warns them about the leaven, you know, leaven is an important ingredient in bread. They think, oh, snap, no bread. (laughs) And at first, Jesus' words make them realize they didn't pack anything. They didn't have time. And they totally missed the point at first. And when Jesus says leaven, they thought he was talking about actual bread. They had forgotten their daily bread. They didn't have it. And there's none to be found. They're in the middle of a lake. You could see how this would increase their stress level just a little bit, right? Knowing that it's not like, well, once we get back to the lake, we'll go through the, the Jewish McDonald's drive through we'll be fine. We'll get some leavened bread, we'll be good. Or unleavened bread, and we'll be good. 
No, they're preoccupied with the fact that they don't have their daily bread. They don't have lunch. This realization that they have no bread becomes their primary focus, and they discuss the crisis among themselves. He says, beware of leaven. Would you eat leavened bread? Oh, I'd eat leavened bread right now. Trust me. I would eat a horse, let alone leavened bread. I'm starving. Well, I wouldn't eat leavened bread. He says, beware of the leaven. Well, yeah, but he doesn't mean that. Is he really talking about dietary laws? What's he doing? You know, I'm sticking with flat bread. They're talking, man, we forgot the bread. And Jesus doesn't want us to get bread from those people. Leavened bread is bad. We can't eat that. It must be approved. We have to have uncontaminated, unleavened bread. All right, Jesus, we got it. No leavened bread, but we don't have any bread at all. What are we going to do? We don't have anything. Jesus, we're in this boat. We don't have any bread. Why are you warning us about leaven? It seems irrelevant. Let's look at the spiritual. What about Jesus or what about God? What does he do and why and how does he do it? He lays out a very critical warning. But when he does it, he does it with a perfect lesson plan. You teachers out there, you'll love this. <coughs> Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, is a brilliant teacher. Isn't he? I mean, he really is. He's not surprised by their response. He's not surprised by the circumstances that have led him there. I'm pretty certain he anticipated the whole scene. He uses their focus on bread to create an unforgettable, indelible teaching moment about the dangers they would face culturally and politically. He uses this isolated venue, a boat in a lake, their obsession with bread, and a recent political confrontation with the Pharisees and the Sadducees all together at this one moment to construct the perfect teaching moment with perfect timing, and it's powerful. Each week I'm looking for the perfect sermon illustration, and I rarely find it. But Jesus controls all events, so he's really good at it. And I want to, you know, I got (coughs) a, excuse me, (coughs) I got a few comments this last week that some of you really like this Greek stuff, and I went a little bit deeper last week, right? And so they said, go use more Greek. Okay, so if you don't like this, blame those smarty pants teacher's pets that wanted more Greek. <coughs> I want to talk the idea about of a present imperative. So Jesus gives this stern warning, and he uses a specific syntax here, indicating a very clear imperative mood. It's a stern command. So here's the slide I want to see. This is the sentence. that I'm taking out. This is the Greek construction, and I'm not going to read every word to you, but I've underlined a few so you get an idea of how Jesus is speaking to them and in what tone. The first word I want you to see is this word, diastello. It means to warn repeatedly. It is an imperfect tense, which means it's continuing. It's not past. It's not present. It's not future. It's just keep going on over and over again. It's an imperfect to warn repeatedly, to command, to charge. That's what he's doing. <coughs> then there's a second word he uses. It's this word, orate. That's not a little P there. That's actually an R. All right, that would be an R in our English language. Orate. And a little, little apostrophe, you make it horate. So that's like, it's not like korate, but it's horate. It means, listen, <coughs> I'm warning you. I want you to stare and study intently about what's going on around you. 
Then he uses another word that says the same thing, blepete. Beware of the lies. So he's warning over and over again, beware, look out for, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware. But Jesus, we don't have any bread. I'm telling you, beware, watch out, look out. <clears throat> it appears to me he's repeating this over and over and over again, this same warning, using two different words in a present tense. He's saying, I'm warning you, beware, look out. I'm warning you, beware, look out. Beware, look out. I'm warning you. It's a repeated double warning. And in Greek, when you have two words put together, it is meant to implicate an imperative mood. Very important. And it's a command. <coughs> this would indicate it's a very crucial lesson Jesus wants these people to learn and hear. He's warning them about two philosophies. Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees <coughs> and the Sadducees. And he's doing it repeatedly. It would be like this. Listen, look here, pay attention. Don't get your hopes up. The bucks are still terrible. <laughs> Tom Brady or no? <coughs> and he's talking specifically, he's warning them about a political bacteria that is going to try to infest and infect them. See, Jesus wasn't talking about bread, of course. He was talking about the evil influence of these two groups. And by referencing Herod, he's making sure they understand the political nature of both groups. <clears throat> he's teaching them incredibly important concepts that are so relevant to us today, aren't they? See, leaven is a biblical term for yeast. Yeast is what makes bread rise by bacterial corruption. I don't know if you know that. When they're baking bread and it smells great, it's yeast, it's leaven. <coughs> Even in the ancient world, while they didn't understand bacteria, they understood that just a pinch of leaven would impact the whole loaf of bread. And just like leaven, Jesus is saying all it takes is a pinch of Pharisee or Sadducee leaven to impact the whole message of the gospel that I've been giving you. He's concerned about their vulnerability to these evil influences in their theology once he's gone. <clears throat> these influences aren't going away. They will be around forever. You're going to have to be extra cautious. Beware. <clears throat> but he's a patient rabbi. He really is. After he warns them and they're talking about bread, he abandons the imperative tone of warning for a gentle interrogative, which is a question. And he's not like, what is wrong with you people? Don't you see? That's, that's not the tone of the Greek here. What he says here is, don't you understand yet who I am? <clears throat> and in brilliant fashion, he uses these two memorable picnics to teach them this important lesson. I just miraculously fed 20,000 people twice. Remember? You think I'm really worried about not having bread? <laughs> Stop stressing over things like your daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now you know why he put that in his prayer. And focus on the dangers you just witnessed at the dock. <clears throat> because just like they relentlessly come after me, trust me, they are coming after you. You must be aware. You must be ready. Because just a little bit of leaven from the conservative Pharisees or the liberal Herod Sadducees, just a little bit will corrupt 
the gospel I've been teaching you. And when I'm gone, you're going to have to be the guardians for the early church against this dangerous, deadly leaven. All right, let's talk about the personal. What about us? What do we do? Why and how do you do it? I want to talk about leaven in the church. This was the sermon preview this week. Just a little bacteria is all it takes to make a whole church sick. Right? That's very culturally relevant, isn't it? So two things Jesus warned them against are the leaven of arrogant conservative morality and woke liberal immorality. They're both equally dangerous. Jesus is defining leaven as anything that wedges its way in and corrupts the full message of the gospel of Jesus. And today, many churches, unfortunately, are eating bread contaminated by these two leavens, and it can absolutely smell delicious. It's very tempting. The first one that they're really tempted by is this Pharisee leaven. Many churches fall prey to that taste of conservative bread infected by Pharisee-like leaven. It's so tempting and so comfortable for some denominations to chow down on Pharisee bread, isn't it? That's my background. That's where I come from, just being honest. Other denominations are very tempted to sound like the Sadducees. Many of you have experienced those. My experience, my background was a very Pharisee leaven infected church. Pharisaical, self righteous, dogmatic morality, black and white absolutes, frumpy, conservative Pharisees. That's the leaven he's warning about. It just takes a little bit of self-righteous, legalistic, conservative leaven, and boom, we're a bunch of Pharisees. Totally irrelevant in the world today. That's the Pharisee leaven. But then there is that Herod leaven. Equally as dangerous and equally as destructive, just a pinch of liberal leaven that creates a church full of compromise. He calls the Pharisee leaven and Herod leaven for a reason. He's definitely framing this as a political and ideological philosophical battle. <clears throat> and the, the, just like the Pharisee leaven, the Herod leaven is fluffy. It smells good. It makes your mouth water for their appetite of fresh baked new theology. New, something different, something fresh, something that's not the old thing over and over again. It's the hip, woke, politically correct celebrity world of Herod and his leaven of moral relativism and spiritual relativism. Just a pinch. Here's what I know. At the end, whether they were conservative or liberal, all the protesters turned on Jesus, did they not? Walking down the street toward the cross. Both sides of the aisle cheered to his death. And I know this, every time either side tried to pin Jesus down on their particular issue, whether it was Pharisees or Sadducees, conservative or liberal, every time his answers shocked them and offended them. He never said what they wanted him to say. He never even really said what they thought he shouldn't say. He would say something completely different, and they would do an end around, and they were like, what are you talking about? 
and he would tick them both off. The ultra-conservative Pharisees, the judgmental, arrogant Pharisees, the uber-liberal Herod Sadducees, he never answered how they thought he should. And here's why. Because Jesus is the bread of life. We are all so drawn to these two types of earthly leaven, aren't we? One or the other. You know why? You know why they're so tempting for the church? It's because we love trusting human wisdom and philosophy. And it doesn't take much of it to contaminate everything. And all either one of those leavens produce is arrogance, judgment, greed, lust, idolatry, selfishness, obsession, and then ultimately conflict. Both sides, and here's what happens, both sides, even if they don't believe in Jesus, either side, they work hard to claim the moral high ground, trying to force Jesus into their leaven-infested systems. People filled with arrogance, infested by leaven from Pharisees or Sadducees, convinced that they know the mind of Jesus, where Jesus would fall on all their issues. And this results in a series of specious dichotomies designed to pigeonhole Jesus into their worldview. You want some modern examples of how stealthy leaven can sneak into righteous causes? Well, if Jesus were here, he would be with the protesters. No, if Jesus were here, he would be against the rioters. If Jesus were here, he would say black lives matter. No, he would say all lives matter. On and on it goes, each side saying, no, Jesus is with us. No, Jesus is with us. Clearly, he's not with you. He's with me. And he's with, and just we tend to cling to verses from Jesus that support our cause of the day. Frankly, often taking them out of context. Like, for example, did you know you could not study this story of Jesus in the boat about Pharisees and Sadducees and the leaven unless you knew what just happened at the dock before? But people still teach it. They don't, even look at the, they don't even look at what happened at the dock, and they try to teach this story. You can't. So what we do is we take verses out of context to support our cause. But, of course, we ignore the ones that call us out for our own sinfulness. We brand them outdated, irrelevant, out of touch. You want some examples of that? Well, too bad. I'm not going to give them to you. You're smart enough to know which ones you minimize and highlight every day, aren't you? You know the ones you ignore, don't you? You know the ones you like to use to beat people over the head with, too, because they might show that you might be right on a specific issue. But here's what Jesus said. And every time he answered the Pharisees or the Sadducees, it pretty much ended up being the same thing, which is this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. See, the world is hungry, desperately, passionately searching for their daily spiritual bread in all the wrong places. And the leavened breads they're eating will never satisfy them. They just leave people hungry, disillusioned, angry, and unfulfilled. They're eating bread infested by conservative or liberal leaven. But there's another bread. 
It's Jesus' bread. You want to know what Jesus would say to everyone on all sides of the issue? You want to know what he would say? So all these issues of our time, if we tried to pigeonhole him, you know what he would say? <clears throat> Joe is right. No, he wouldn't say that. He... <clears throat> Don't you realize who I am? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one has life apart from me. Only I can satisfy. Jesus is teaching the church today. Hey, don't be distracted by the leaven of the conservatives or the liberals. Neither one of them will produce bread that will satisfy your soul. But your Jesus can. So church, listen. Look out. Be careful. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Jesus, we ask that you would protect us. Make us sober. Make us vigilant because we know our adversary walks about trying to destroy us. We pray that you'll help us to have insights to know when leaven is creeping in. It just takes a pinch. It just takes a dash. Conservative or liberal, it doesn't matter. They're both equally distracting. And yes, Jesus, we know you've called us to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. We certainly must do that. But we must understand we cannot allow anything to distract us from gospel ministry, which includes compassion, sacrifice, and love. But it's not so we can take a side or win an argument. So that we can let people that you're calling know, hey, my Jesus has the best bread. And he can satisfy your soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being here today and for watching at home. Be uh, looking out for your email. If you haven't uh, registered to get emails, please let us know. Go to gracelifesrq.com and register there. But keep your inbox, keep your eye on your inbox for updates of what's going on week to week with how we're meeting, when we're meeting, and stuff like that. We love you. We're praying for you constantly. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Have a great day. Thank you. <laughs>